Welcome to No Shot Clock Podcast, the 93rd episode. I'm Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Hoops Report, and with me, as he is every single week, is Michael O'Brien of Chicago Sun-Times. And Mike, we are, I started looking at that calendar, breaking down some games this week, and then I realized, wow, next week is the last, next week is the next last uh, regular season weekend. So it kind of sneaks up on you. And now with two weeks left, seating week and some conference showdowns this weekend, and but um, it's just kind of snuck up on me. Yeah, well, I think it's a little earlier than the last two years, so that's part of it um, with the season wrapping up before the NCAA tournament too. Everybody can look forward to that, and we can see what that does to attendance in Peoria if anybody will show up. Uh, plan for this show is I did not ask for questions, but we have three anyway. Two I forgot last week and one that came in that I guess I need to get up here. Whoops. And um, then we're going to do our two takes. And then we will go into our kind of some surprises. Joe and I came up with surprises of the season, teams, players, conferences, that kind of thing, since we are in the nitty gritty stretch run here. So let's start it off with last week's questions. And I apologize. We, We didn't get to these last week. They came in on Twitter and kind of my little workflow here questions coming in on twitter do not have a home <laughs> so i had to like screenshot them anyway they're, they're in here and the first one is from steve johnson he is asking about um which illinois high school players currently playing in college do you think have been the most successful for example rakosevich gilliard norvell crutwig pierce horton tucker and who did you think would be more successful uh joe did some research I, on this and has it in the his yeah it's interesting that those there's the two I came up with aren't even on the list that he that he mentioned, and I think there's two that stand out, Mike. As far as what I expected and what became of them, and one is the highest level possible, and one's kind of at the lower end of, of Division One. The first one is Admiral Schofield. It, <laughs> I mean, Admiral Schofield is the key cog, the main one of the main two guys for the number one ranked team in the entire country. He is on his way to scoring over 1,700 career points at Tennessee, uh, over 700 rebounds. I'm sorry, 1,500 career points, 700 rebounds. Uh, he's got a shot of being a, you know, maybe a second or third team All-American. This is a guy who had little to no high major interest. Tennessee came in late. West Virginia was in there a little bit. Otherwise, it was all mid-majors. And to be honest, during that process, I still recall, and I still talk about with some college coaches about, they're talking about Admiral Schofield with me, and, and I was just a huge Admiral Schofield fan, a monster fan. Loved him to death. But I never anticipated Admiral Schofield doing what he's doing at the highest level of college basketball. I mean, for a part of his career, he was playing the five spot. It's like a 6'5", 6'6", five-man in the SEC. So what Admiral Schofield has done, that jumps out at me. The other one, a guy, Mike, I know you were a big fan of, and I was not as far as what I thought he would do in college, but John Conchar. He's at uh, Fort Wayne, Purdue Fort Wayne. And uh, I looked up this stat, Mike. This is unbelievable. He's the only player since, by the way, he's from West Chicago, real quick. You know, he did not have anything going recruiting-wise at all. In fact, he was ready to, interesting thing is I remember Scott 
uh, Trost at Lewis University had two guys. He was he was kind of weighing back and forth for his final scholarship spot. Max Struess and John Conchar. <laughs> yeah. Conchar was coming for a visit. I remember the story. He was coming to visit Lewis at the time. And, uh, you know, they were in on Struess for a long time. Max's brother, Marty Struess, played at Lewis for Trost for four years. And they really wanted Struess, but they also wanted Conchar and how it goes. You know, first come, first served. Struess got wind and said, hey, Conchar's coming to campus. Hey, I'm committing. So Struess committed. Obviously, he played two years as Division II All-American. Now he's starting at DePaul. Conchar had to wait out a little bit longer. He ended up getting the Purdue-Fort Wayne offer, which was about the only Division One really offer he had. He might have had one more. Anyway, the point is this. What he's doing, he's one of the most productive college basketball players in the country. And he's and he's done it against really big-time opponents when they played non-conference. But I dug this stat out. According to sportsreference.com, He's the only player since 1992-93 season to amass at least 1,800 career points. He's ready to go over 2,000, by the way. Over 1,000 rebounds. He's got 1,090 rebounds right now. Over 400 assists. He's got over 500. And over 200 steals. He's got 250. Uh, his career offensive rating of one, no, this is analytical stuff, but 130.99 is the highest sports reference has on record going back 10 seasons. So, you know, this year he's averaged like 19 or 20 a game, nine rebounds, five assists. He does it all for the mastodons of Fort yeah. Wayne. But I, 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 I mean, I, I, the coach at Fort Wayne still jokes with me because. You know, I'm honest with the coaches, and the, he, you know, he talked to me after he got him. I, I said, "You're getting a really, really good Division II player," and you know, we still joke, joked about it. You know, again, because I mean, I thought he was a great D2, and a lot of times, good D2 players are, are good to the low Division One players. But to to think that he would amass these kind of numbers and do what he's done in his career is never would have thought it. Yeah, I will. It was about this week, his senior year, yeah. when I finally yeah. went out to see him. And I, I, I felt sick after the game. He They lost. So that, so that stunk. I forgot who they even played. But it was somebody that wasn't very good. And they lost. So I couldn't even, like, I felt like I couldn't properly lead with him. And I felt just so horrible that I hadn't seen him play before, that I hadn't written about him before. You know, it was just, it was a, a huge lesson to me about needing to go watch everybody I can, no matter what people tell me or what idiot recruiting level they're at or this or that he just he did everything in that game and it was so clear how much he could do and I was just I'd really felt like I'd done a lousy job at what I was supposed to be doing well and it it was rough but um, yeah I mean Notre Dame came in like two times <laughs> they were at the game uh, one of the games I was at yeah, yeah Notre <laughs> yeah. Dame came in they, they ultimately decided no but I mean uh it, it's just really and again I, when he signed with Fort Wayne, it's not like I thought, oh, he can't play there. There's no way. After seeing him, what he did the last second half of the season. But, I mean, those things I just threw out, those are unbelievable. 2,000 points to 1,000 rebounds and 500 assists. And that's in like 30 <laughs> years or 25 I mean, years. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. So, And, by the way, yeah. um, John is a loyal listener. 
to no shot oh, clock. Okay. He's <laughs> I hope he's listening now, but yeah, he's reached out to me a couple times over his college career. Yeah. Um, on anybody, who's, <laughs> anybody who subscribes to The Athletic, there is a fantastic story on John Conchar uh, in The Athletic about two weeks ago. Uh, if you want to go back and dig that up. But. Oh, I, I did not see that. Okay, I saw the most recent like Sports Illustrated somebody wrote about him, but um, oh yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, and John says he listens on the bus on his road trip. So <laughs> all right. Well, I sold you short, John. So yeah. Uh, do you have any anybody else you uh, wanted to? Yeah, those were the two I jumped on. I mean, there's. I mean, he's not a Chicago area kid, but Ethan Happ. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I've got a thing going out in my three pointer column online, a little bit more detailed, thorough. Is he Ethan Happ from Rockridge, who nobody knew of for the most part. I mean, I, as far as high majors, he he's gonna finished his career as the most productive player in Wisconsin history. He's going to be an All-American. He is, he's got a shot at becoming the all-time leading scorer at Wisconsin. He's third right now, Mike, behind, behind two Illinois products. Can you name them? Um, at Wisconsin? Well, Alondo uh, Tucker and Kaminsky? Alondo Tucker's number one, yep. And Kaminsky? Nope. Michael oh. Finley. Oh, duh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's third, right at a surpass Finley and he has a shot at, 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 at over at taking over a lot of Tucker. He's also the all time leading rebounder and he's a center who is top five and assists all time uh, at Wisconsin. So the fact that, you know, Wisconsin got him and has kind of doubled down on their big men that were overlooked, Frank Kaminsky and then Ethan Happ, and they've just lived off these two guys for yeah. five, six years, you know, I, I think, um, Norvell's interesting. You talk about him in your bit in the three-pointer, but um, that everybody can read tomorrow or I guess today when this uh, podcast comes out. But, he, you know, he never achieved, like, big star status, I feel like, here. You know, in Chicago, True. there were always bigger players. He was always – but what I will remember about him was he made some shots and, and some moves that were – you know, and I'm no way a scout or a pro scout, but they were things I don't see high school kids do. You know, they were just high level. They looked like NBA moves sometimes when he was, in, you know, isolated again with one defender. And it was – it's just something I don't see. And so you see that – you saw that ceiling with him, especially the second half of his senior year. And he was a big body guy who could take make shots and shoot at the range. But another thing, Mike, that goes underestimated is fit at the college level. Mm-hmm. And when he chose Gonzaga, I mean, it was just perfect for him, just ideal. And, well, I mean, he's enjoying the heck out of it because that's an unbelievable ba- basketball experience at Gonzaga. All right. Uh, next up is from um, Shy Aficionado, a uh, regular Twitter presence in my world, at least. He says, uh, how rare is it for a player to get recruited without AAU? Who was the last big name who made his stock or name during the season and not AAU? Well, I think it's it's rare because everyone plays AAU now. I mean, it's it's. I mean, there's just everybody plays it. Uh, so yeah, it is rare because everybody has seen. Now, what's not? I, mean, I wouldn't say it's. I, the, the, the point is, you you can still be found if you're if you do not have a. I mean, I'm convinced if you did not play AAU, you can still you're still going to be found. Uh, yes, it helps you. It helps your game, and I go through the whole AU gamut of, of the pluses of it. But you know, there's been several people that have that have not done again, maybe not the right fit in AAU, have not 
maybe got injured in July or whatever it might be. Uh, the lat the latest player, the most recent, is out of the Chicago area though, is Mark Smith down in Edwardsville. I mean, um, he had Wright State and Northern Illinois in in October and November, and by January he had Illinois, Missouri, Kentucky, Michigan State, and Missouri. So, I mean, that's that's the absolute far end of the spectrum as far as the most I've ever seen something turn in a matter of not just even AAU. I'm talking like, it's not like people are going in the open gyms in the fall. And I mean, if this kid signs with the schools that went and visited Wright State in Northern Illinois and SIUE Edwardsville, I mean, now he's at Missouri playing very well uh, for Missouri, actually. So, uh, yeah, that's the one that jumps out uh, of, you know, this year it hasn't reached the recruiting pitch that I think that maybe it should have because I think Rashawn Agee of Bogan is still not getting even the mid-major must-have attention that he, he should be getting. Uh, but that's partly due to, you know, what – I saw it in July. He did not have a great run with Matt Irvin Fire. He, he just did not. And but if people were to see the consistency that he's played, well, actually, we're going to talk about him here in a little bit, so we'll save some of that. But he's another kid that you know I think that um, didn't get anything out of AAU. You know, as far as scholarship offers. Yeah, in a lot of ways, you know, the AAU, there's just, there's like, what, like a couple weeks, really. So if you're not on the right team and playing at your right level, you know, yeah, right there's away, just that so much. Yeah, yeah, right. And this, like, as example, this coming year, it's all changing. So there's, when you say a couple weeks, you're 100%. It's, it's literally a couple of weeks. One week in April where coaches can be out watching AAU and one week in July, one weekend. And other than that, that's it for AU. So that's that's a huge difference from what it's been in the last decade or two. Uh, now they've got these elite camp things going on, satellite camps, which I think are going to be a just a cluster and a mess. And then they've got two live periods in June with high school basketball shootouts in June. So that's when college coaches can come out. So it's definitely going to be a shift back towards or away from AAU because like you just said that's two weekends it used to be three in July and two in April and it is not that way this coming year that should be very interesting to say the least yeah um let's um yeah. that is oh no we have one more question sorry I literally just received an email from Matt Troja in the IHSA which means I need to scour, <laughs> I need to scour this immediately to see if there's anything um, massive happening. It looks like a little interest here. Um, the board, dis- the IHSA board, discussed the IHSA girls and boys basketball state final hosting contracts, which are set to expire after the 2020 state tournaments. What really? Yeah. See, I thought it was longer, didn't you? Yeah. Didn't they just sign a five-year contract like a, two years ago? A I year thought, ago? That's what I thought. But maybe it was maybe this is the third year, and so after twenty twenty, yeah, so this be the third year then. It huh. says the board in here. This is news. Um, the board intends to seek feedback in the coming months on a potential schedule change beginning in twenty twenty one that would shift the girls basketball state finals to playing all four classes on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday 
and the same with the boys. Um, <laughs> all four classes, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I have heard th- what this rumored proposal is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I think it's pretty good. Um, this makes me think that this is what, what I've seen. Um, so yeah, breaking news. This is literally hot off the presses. Um, <laughs> I, I don't like it. So it would be March 11th to 13th. I'll be open to it because it's broken. Yeah. <laughs> currently. Uh, but I just, I don't know. Everybody's going to rip me because I'm going to say I don't want to watch the 1A and 2A. But well, then you don't I've, have to go Thursday. I know, but the format had it where, I mean, they're, they're going to wrap it all up in one day. <laughs> Play everything after. No, you'll get to watch the title games on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Joe doesn't I'm, want to watch the 1A, 2A title games? I'm sorry, 1A, 2A. Oh, that's harsh. Wow, we're already known as 3A haters, but now you're outing <laughs> yourself as not wanting to watch the 1A. I like the 1A, 2A title games. I'm not going to say that I watch the 1A semis necessarily. Sometimes I, I watch the 1A, 2A finals from the comfort of my television. <laughs> yeah. I do. I just well, you can still do that, and then get in the car and come up for the uh, for not the mixed bag of I don't know, but it's broke, so I guess they gotta try something. Yeah, it should be. Um, all right, Joe. How about um, we have one more question here, but I literally need to tweet this out immediately. So why don't you give us your first take while I do that? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, that's good. Uh, no, my first take is uh, Mike and I seem to always talk about Waukegan when they're struggling or underachieving or I don't know. It just seems like we've picked on Waukegan over the years, but not so much picked on, more about both of us just thinking, okay, this is the year or this is the team or uh, you know, last year it's just all fizzled and, and, and this year high hopes. And yet we still had our concerns and questions and are we going to be talking about, well, the point is this, we are two weeks left in the regular season. Uh, they've won something like nine in a row. I think they've won 12 or 11, out, 11 out of 12 or 12 out of 13. Uh, they're in position with a big showdown with Stevenson in the North Suburban Conference, uh, they're hosting the sectional. All things are good. They don't even have a bad loss in their schedule. They got four losses: Saint Mel in the opener, uh, Marion Catholic, which is a top ten team, a, a very good Frem team. I mean, it's it's not a ranked team, but it's a it's a good one. Uh, and then a very very good Stevenson team. So, you know, they get their rematch on Tuesday night. I I just think that. With everything that Waukegan's kind of gone, they've had some turmoil. They, they, they had some turmoil last year with injuries. Bryant Brown um, had some injuries. Uh, Jaden Brown's been missed this year. And they have kind of persevered and put together one heck of a season. And, you know, have put themselves in a good position going forward here to maybe make some noise and, and make a state tournament run with that sectional at their own place. So, it's kind of kudos to, to Ron Ashlaw and, and what Waukegan has done this year with that group and, and living up to the expectations that we had going into the season. Yeah, no doubt. And it's probably been, you know, I saw them against Marion Catholic and we've seen what Marion Catholic is like when they're playing at their peak level and they're as good as almost anybody. And, and so, I think that at that, that at that time that was 
I'm not saying American Catholic's not playing at a high level right now. I, I, I think they played tremendous the first half of the season when Waukegan got them. Yeah, and that was at Marion, you know, a Saturday, like, afternoon after they'd played Friday night. So it wasn't peak conditions. I wasn't super impressed, but I've been very impressed with what they've done since then. And having that sectional at home, boy, that could really help the Bulldogs. Um, I guess going, I, I got this uh, news out here, but I guess the thing we didn't think about was from this new email from the IHSA from Matt Troja. So we're looking at a possible new location and new format for the state tournament in 2021. I mean, aren't there really, I mean, this is Holbert yeah. branch. Aren't there really only two logical potential destinations other than Peoria? Um, well, okay, maybe three. Depends who wants it. I mean, I know. Don't sell me the Sears Center. I, I, I don't. Well, well, they're going to go for it because they want it. Right, but I, I that that I'll be watching. I'll be watching all of them from TV. I mean, what if Carbondale or Springfield gets a bid together? Ooh, Carbondale. Yeah, I'm always driving down there. Um, I just figured Champagne would try it. And I, do, you, do you think there's anything in Chicago of the of the people in Chicago that would ever go to the effort of putting together a proposal, not just a half half ass one. I'm talking about a full like went let's for get, it. Let, yeah. Let's get this thing and we, do it right and get behind it. And I thought maybe I, I, if Rahm Emanuel needed to make the Wind Trust be more of a success. He might have done that, but now he's gone. So, yeah, I don't think there's any group in Chicago right now that's doing that, no. Yeah, so I I don't know. I I think what this says is, I mean, not that they're opening it up just to open it up, but, I mean, I think their search, I think their IHSA is kind of looking for somebody to, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, we're ready to. I mean, do something. yeah, I feel like it could be a real shot in the arm. 2021, it's just three days and it's in Champaign. I think that gives it a shot in the arm. I think people get excited. Yeah. You know, am I crazy or <laughs> does that no, seem I, like. I, 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 I just, it's hard to wrap my head around such a massive. Yeah. Format change. But I feel like maybe some of the old school people would be like, oh, wow, we're, let's go back to Champagne. We can go on Saturday and we can see all it, all four title games. Let's go. But do the, do the fans of basketball go on Thursday? No. Thursday's going to stink because people are working. Yeah. And they're not taking two days off. No, but that's just going to be the 1A, 2A semis, I think. And, yeah. And so then Saturday, you're going to have four title games in Champagne. I think that could. I, be I think the small school or the small school basketball diehards are going to be. Ugh, I don't want it. Not that they matter. Not, I'm not saying they don't matter. I'm just saying they're not going to. Do you know what I mean? Because they got to go fry. I mean, some of those guys. You know, it's been very down the line with a lot of fans. I've noticed in this four class system where they want to go to the small school and they only go to small school. Yeah. And don't even mess with the big schools. And vice versa, really, a lot of times. So those small school people that go down with their routines, you can't really do it. I mean, there's not enough people showing up for any of it to worry about that anymore. Yeah, right. That's over with. I mean, I get what you're saying, but there's not enough. No, I'm trying. That's what I meant. Like what I said. 
they don't matter. I mean, they don't matter, but like, not they matter as people. And we love all of you who are still going to the tournament. Good for you. <laughs> you know, and yeah, I don't want to seem like you're not important, but, but yeah, we need some casual Dumbers. fans. Yeah. Yeah. Is what it comes down to. And if it takes four games on Saturday, because people just want to go maybe see, you know, the new assembly hall that they haven't <laughs> seen, I guess by 2021, most people probably would have seen it, but yeah, I don't know. I think that's interesting. Um, Am I as excited for the thought of four title games on a Saturday at the Sears Center? I mean, that's... I want no part of it, Mike. Who's going to be there watching 1A, 2A? Well, 2A, okay. Well, that's that's true, too. 2A there might be, because there'll be a public league team in it. Half the public league will be 2A by then. You don't want 1A and 2A in the Chicago area. You know, 2A by then, it could be the whole public league. (laughs) The way... (laughs) enrollment's going here uh, 1a maybe not but yeah you don't want 1a and 2a up here you drive up from nah interesting it's, it'll stay central illinois yeah well we got some changes it looks like on the horizon i mean i guess it's in bloomington normal would they put in for it i I, th- I don't think they can because the girls right Is oh that... yeah I, i'm not sure about that but well, i can go back to back weekends yeah. make it the hub yeah I, I don't know i mean i'd be all for that so I, I'd I feel, be a big fan of that. I feel like the IHSA is worried about that because they're located there too. And they feel like that'd be just too much. Good town, good restaurant. Yeah, I feel like they'd be health. more, I feel like the IHSA good would be cleaner. more into it if they weren't located there and they didn't feel like they're playing favorites. Um, but yeah, I agree. All right. Um, oh, we already have people on Twitter that are not happy <laughs> about the uh, three day. Oh, this is exciting. Breaking news. All right. Um, the uh, other question I wanted to get up here. I have to close the email. It's from our good buddy, Rennell Chapman. And you know what? I don't think I need to actually get it up or bother reading it. It's pretty long. Rennell got on his high horse and it makes sense. He's upset that the city, um, the public league playoffs, the quarterfinals are not held at one venue. Um, he, he wants to know if it's money, if it's locations, blah, blah, blah. I don't know this for um for certain, but based on the difficulty they've had with nailing down a semifinal location a lot of the years, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that financially renting out one of these big college arenas is not feasible um, for the quarterfinals. And I, I think the last time we had them all together, they were at high school. They were at Corliss. Well, well the other thing for a big arena, I mean, it, it, it's going to take some organization and planning with dates. Yes. I mean, you've got to lock it in a little bit early, which doesn't yeah. always happen in the public league. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, like a UIC, they've got games, home games, things like that, things going on at the pavilion. But, yeah, I, I would I would love it. I mean, I, I, I wish there was a city gym that was ideal for, for that. Um, I, I would love the four quarters to sit and watch all four of them in one gym. Yeah, I would. Um... But 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 why not? You know what I would like, Mike? Yeah. Is like uh like this week I mean, summer Tuesday night and summer and I think one's Wednesday night, right? Uh, Simeon. Yeah. Simeon Young, Young got moved because Young has a girls' playoff game on Tuesday. I I mean, I would love a doubleheader on Tuesday and a doubleheader on on uh, Wednesday. Say, I mean, and in, in, in two gyms, you know what I mean? So you can get bang for your buck you could see all four of them if you wanted you get two games doubleheader you know five and seven um play it at, i don't know i, I guess figuring out where to play it at would be 
the first step in doing that. But I, I just think if more people can see them, the better, and, and it brings more attention to the sport and more attention to the games. Yeah, and with, yeah. with four, if let's say they're all playing Tuesday night, then it's all spread out, and you're at one game, and the interns at the other. And, well, I don't know. <laughs> I just, I, I think they could do so much more to even make this great public league playoff event better. And I don't think they really try to. No, they got a lot of issues. I do think the one thing I like about the current format is, my goodness, does the regular season matter? You know, getting these games at home is so mm-hmm. huge. And I think a lot of our sports now, not even talking high school sports, like American sports, we've weakened, you know, the meaning of the regular season so much that I, I think it is cool that where you finish in your conference and then you each just play everybody once. I mean, these games matter, you know, f- for the city title, at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I think that is kind of cool as a spectator and to grow the sport. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'd even be fine with maybe you wait until the last minute and now you look and it's young Simeon, Morgan park, Lincoln park are the games. Um, so that one's going to be, Oh, let's say, at um, we got Southside team. That's going to be at Corliss, because you got Simeon and Morgan Park, and that's a nice big gym. Nobody wants to play at Lincoln Park or Morgan Park. Um, you don't want Simeon or Youngdom to have home court advantage. And then you got Curie Farragut against Orbogan. Um, that's mainly West, some West-ish teams. We put it at Collins, the other big gym, and have Oregon's Bogan and Curie Farragut at Collins. Um, and just kind of do it like that. I'd be cool with that. I, I liked it when they were all at Coralis, all four of them. Um, yeah. That was a great day. I mean, I don't think that's super fair to West Side people and North Side if we ever had any North Side teams in it because that's really far um, to get down there. But I would be fine with splitting a South and a West Side doubleheader um, as well. But Because, yeah, I mean, this Morgan Park-Lincoln Park game, it doesn't matter where that one's held. Nobody can watch it. Right. Yeah, it's tiny, but anyway, yeah, that's, it's a definitely a problem. I mean, this is, it, it could be such a unique and wonderful event and it, it, it's a shame it isn't. And people loved the elite eight when it was at UIC, mm-hmm. they did. And it was, the kids loved it. It was a big deal to them. Everybody talked, they thought that was like, that was something to shoot for, for the season. Well, yeah. And if you think about it, let's just say it just kept going. I mean, you build that tradition, you mm-hmm. build that aura about, oh, okay, we're going to the pavilion for the quarters. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. And it was. It had reached that stage. Yeah, and, and yeah. I mean, then it goes away, and obviously it's not a tradition. Or, I, I, I just think it would be really cool if they would have been able to maintain that, and um, it just would have kept growing and growing. Yeah, no, you're right. That that It's a shame. But um, for those of you listening, I guess we'll probably talk more about it later, but I'm not sure where the semis are yet on Friday night, <laughs> but we'll see. It might be sh- most likely at Chicago state. I just have not like seen that anywhere officially, but the title game is definitely on Sunday. I think four 30 at um, Chicago state. I feel like it might wind up a little later. They usually play all three, uh, the freshman, the sophomore and the varsity and uh, uh, at Chicago state on Sunday. And that's usually pretty the fun. final is on TV. Yes. The final is, I believe live too on the U2. So you can watch me make a bad prediction <laughs> before the game. Um, all right. Joe has given his take on Waukegan. Uh, my take is going to be on another uh, suburban school. It starts with the W. Wabonzi Valley, who I finally went and saw on Saturday night. They hosted Oswego East. 
uh, two student sections. The Oswego East, Oswego East brought so many kids that I thought that was the Wabanzi Valley student section at home. So kudos to them. It was a pretty good crowd for a really late Saturday game, like a 7.30 start. Um, but the bottom was kind of full and one of the, one of the tops had, had a decent amount of people, but, um, boy, I, you know, Wabonzi Valley has not been ranked all year. Still not ranked. Um, couldn't really justify putting him in. Um, but I, I did not expect to be as impressed by them as I was. Uh, I definitely, I guess I had low expectations <laughs> to be honest. I did not. I thought maybe they'd be a smart team that played well and just didn't really have the upside. Um, that I, I just, I, that's what I expected. That's not what I got. What I got was a team built to win, built to win. Now a team with, I, I wrote about it in the notebook. They just had backbone. They were ready for anything. Oswego East was probably better than them, man for man, at four out of the five starting positions. Didn't matter. Uh, you know, Eric Cannon was there to hit a big shot whenever they needed. Marcus Skeet, who's a junior, has a really nice frame on him. If they needed a rebound, he got it. If they needed a blocked shot, he was doing it. You know, he he was a super impressive athlete. I just, I really, really like this team. I'm interested to see what they can do against some better competition because that's been the problem. They really haven't played it. So it's been hard to see. They took a couple losses that, that you know, were a little heavy. How much did they lose to Naperville North by Joe? Do you remember offhand? Uh, just did your section double, thing. double digits. Yeah. By yeah, a lo- yeah the, 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 the stunner was really in the year. I remember talking to Jason Mead about it, just a clunker. They lost to Nequa Valley by like twenty. Yeah, see that's. You see, those are at least like conference teams from the area. That's kind of like to me, it's like a Bolingbrook Lincoln Way East thing. Uh, teams that know you real well sometimes can do stuff like that. I, I'm I'm very curious to see how this Wabonzi team could do. They just they they whatever it is they they seem to have it to me. I, I was just super impressed that the patience they showed on some big possessions. You know, able to. They're not standing there holding the ball, you know, trying for somebody to come out of the zone. They're working it around. You, I think at one possession, all five kids touched it three times before they got the shot they wanted. You know, not just delaying the game, but they knew the shot they wanted, and they got it, and they hit it. And that's something I have not seen on a lot of our high-level teams this year. I'm talking top ten teams. They, they don't have that presence about them yet. So I thought that was really cool to see um, out in Wabonzi Valley. Jason Mead is clear. I think this is his third year. Um, there, he's clearly doing a really nice job putting together a program. I was impressed. Yeah, they, they, um, I mean, they were down when he took over the program. It was, it was low. I mean, it was down, uh, bare bones. And so, yeah, he's done a good job. You know, the win total is good. They, their best win was probably Oswego East, uh, along with a win at, uh, against Rock Island. Good Rock Island team is a good, solid team. Uh, but yeah, they, they don't have a whole ton of resume type wins to kind of prop themselves into the rankings but uh, my second take is uh, you know I, I did a sectional preview or seating preview uh, online you can see that of all the sectionals and seated but as you know as you do that and you start digging into them deeply <laughs> uh, I, I came across the the, the the depth at Eisenhower now we're, we've talked a little bit here and there about that sectional where Bloom and Marian Catholic and that's interesting enough that the fact that the two best teams, the two highest seeded teams at least, are right there in Chicago Heights, Bloom and Marian Catholic. Bloom's twenty one and three, Marian Catholic twenty four and three. 
they'll be one and two. And then Simeon, I know some people say they got too many losses to be the third seed, but it's Simeon, and, and they've played a, just a killer schedule and are without question a state power. And then you keep going this depth of what it is. But I went beyond those top teams and even the top eight. And this is a sectional right now. There's 11 teams in the Eisenhower sectional with 15 or more wins. There's seven that are ranked in Mike's uh, sometimes Super 25. Seven of their top eight seeds are going to be ranked. So or are ranked. But kind of my take is I feel bad for the teams even outside the top eight. And I kind of wrote it up here. Um, you got Thornwood, 17 and 7. You got Shepherd, 17 and 6. Uh, you've got TF South and TF North, TF North 15 and 8, TF South 15 and 11. Even Eisenhower, they're 14 and 9. Uh, these are teams, sorry, but probably don't even have a shot of winning a regional. And, you know, upsets occur, I, I get it. But, I mean, you know, Richards 15 and 6, uh, uh, you know, Thornton's 19 and 6, and I'll probably be a 7, 8, or a 9 seed. So I, the depth here is just really, really challenging for for one of these teams to even kind of rise up, and you're having this really good regular season, and then poof, it's kind of just, eh, all right, we're we're <laughs> got 19 wins, and we're gonna go play Marion Catholic in a regional final. Uh, that sucks. So I mean, it, it, it is what it is, and you know, I, I think the the top four are. You know, Blue Mary Catholic Simeon at home with Flossmore. Uh, and I haven't even gotten to teams like St. Rita, 20 and 7, and Brother Rice. Uh, uh, you can see the depth that I'm talking about here. Yeah, I was just looking to see who the um, hosts were for the regionals. regionals. TF North, Brother Rice, Stag, and Argo. I mean, you want to be a, one of those top seeds and have to play at Brother Rice and Marquise Kennedy? <laughs> that, that that's I mean, you know, what's Rice gonna I can't remember where I put them. Um now are they gonna be a seven? A six? You've got them six, but I think that might be optimistic. Yeah, I mean it could be a seven, maybe even eight. Can you imagine being a one or a two seed going into Brother Rice? I mean, you know what what that environment's like for a regional championship game on a Friday night and you gotta play Marquise Kennedy. Bobby Frazier, ugh, I think that's that's just an awful regional championship game for a top seed team. I mean, that's a nightmare because I mean, I'm not sure if they'll get the six or not, but we've seen what they can do on their good days. Right. You know, they, they've had some not great days, but my goodness, they, they just took care of DePaul Prep at home. And I think they're a team that has a massive home court advantage. Right. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, that's... Like those top seed teams are going to be like... <laughs> If they're smart, they're going to be seeding them super. If you're listening, you'd seed them really high to kind of boost their 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 uh, seed so you don't have to play them. You know what I mean? I mean, especially like Bloom and Simeon have had some rocky moments over the uh... I, I, I can't think of a worse. T- and we're not even talking about like we're talking about top seeded teams who are ranked in the top 10. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that are going to have a. Just a bear of a time trying to get through that game. There aren't many Catholic League teams in this sectional, are there? 
See, I think no. I think that's going to hurt uh, Brother Race and Rita in the voting. There's not a single one other than St. Rita. Yeah, see, I think that I think if I've learned one thing, it's you know how yeah they they politic with each other. Yeah, and, I think that's uh, going to hurt Brother Race and Rita a bit. The um, but the lack of compatriots in the uh, Marist is here. Yeah, East Suburban Catholic. There's a couple. Yeah, Marist, um, Marian Catholic. But interesting. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess they could. They can't slide more than what's. They can't go more than seven, can they? I don't know. I mean, Richards has and Brother Rice like lost to RB, and Richards killed him. You know, there's a lot of reasons you could. But all these teams have so many losses. The six and seven lost teams, you know, that it's easy to look at it any way you want. I think. Yeah. In that group. I, I don't know. I just. I mean, Thornton and Thornwood are going to have all their conference mates with them. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking the political part yeah. of it, yeah. I mean, I, I get that. I just. I, I mean, you look at the schedules, Mike, of some of these teams. I mean, I wasn't real impressed when I was looking at some of them. Yeah, no, I know. I look at it every week. <laughs> it's uh, I mean, I've struggled because I liked Thornwood, and Thornton's been winning, but, yeah, they haven't had the the wins, really, to get in the Super 25. Thornton's on a roll now, so they got in there. Um, I've not seen that Thornton yet, um, so I really don't I mean, know. I mean, Brother Rice, they just beat DePaul just beat, Prep. Uh, DePaul Prep, you know, beat Loyola, beat, beat Leo, um, beat Mount Carmel. Uh, beat Carmel. Um, not a ton of women. They've got more lives. Although, you know, Rita got seated ahead of them. And, you know, Rita beat Brother Rice. So, yeah, that's – anyway, look at it. I mean, somebody of the top – they're not getting higher than six. And they're probably not getting lower than nine. So what that means is either Bloom, Marion Catholic, or Simeon is going to have to go to Brother Rice and play in a regional championship. Yeah, good luck. Be a fun one to watch. Although that's one of my worst drives, the Brother Rice drive. But anyway, um, all right. I guess it's my take, isn't it? Um, went out on Saturday. My before I was at Wabanzi. You know what? I'll flip it. I was going to talk about Crystal Lake South and Dundee Crown, everybody, but <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Teasing the Foxville Conference yeah. fans. You know, th- these Jeez. 130 starts have got me going out to these Fox. I, okay, I've gone to two, but I mean, it's better than none. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was a decent game. <laughs> um, I, I didn't think the Crystal Lake South or Dundee Crown had the upside that I saw out of Crystal Lake Central and Cary Grove. So if you wanted a thumbnail sketch, I'm ham- the other team in there is Hampshire. That's um, got a nice record. I have not seen Hampshire yet, but I hear that they are talent-wise closer to Cary Grove and Crystal Lake Central than Dundee Crown and Crystal Lake South. <laughs> if that makes sense. So it sounds like we've got like a strong three, and then the other two. Even though Crystal Lake South has everything in their hands now, if they win out, they win the conference. So we'll see how that affects the seeding stuff. See how they'll do. But I wouldn't be surprised if Cary Grove and Crystal Lake Central could get a scalp in the uh, playoffs. I'm not sure about. Uh, the two I saw Saturday, but I, I think it's, let's talk about St. Pat's Notre Dame. I mean, that was awesome. Um, a game I used to go to pretty regularly. I'm talking like a decade ago 
was Pat's Notre Dame, but I have not been to it in a while. Just kind of fell off my radar. You know, there wasn't like a big reason to go. Usually there'd been a game, another game I should have been at. Um, you could say that clearly Bennett, Marion Catholic, you know, even on this Friday may have had more consequence, but, um, I'd liked what I'd seen of St. Pat's this season. I'd seen them twice. I thought they were fun. I think Austin Freeman is a really underrated player that I kind of wanted to see again to make some city, um, all city decisions. And I hadn't watched Notre Dame yet in person. So it seemed good. Oh my goodness. I walk in there. I think it was a seven o'clock start. I walk in at six twenty. You would have thought. It was the state. Well, okay. I was going to say you would have thought it was the state championship, but the state championship is not this exciting. <laughs> it is. I mean, so hot. The humidity, the humanity that you could hear and feel. The place was literally shaking. Uh, there was not an empty spot for a human to stand. I mean, I don't know what the fire marshal uh, limit is on that place, but we were well over it. Every it's hard. It's hard to tell how much that holds. Not a ton, I don't think. Um, right. The upper is bigger than I think people realize, but the lower is very small. Um, yeah. There's only like eight. But that, that was, I was about to say, there's no wasted space in there. If there is space, there's a seat. And that makes you know the atmosphere so great. I mean, the atmosphere was just absolutely awesome. It sold out before the game even started, the varsity. And, oh, my goodness, credit to the Pats and Notre Dame kids. You know, they've, they, I go to the football game a lot. They always bring it. But it was every possession mattered. It was so great. Um, so much, it was by far, the best atmosphere I've seen this season. Better than the Battle of Vincennes. Better than uh, the Young Or showdown. I did not expect it walking in. I thought it might be good, but it was absolutely great. And Austin Freeman just took it all and dominated he was pulling the strings in that game like few guards i've seen this year you know just the steals the assists setting his guys up had you know the the calmness when it was necessary the clutch shots when it was necessary he just won that game for st pat's it was a really impressive performance i was talking to um mike bailey after the game it's austin freeman's probably going to be a juco kid um and he's got some you know really good ones looking at him it'll be i'm going to be really interested to see where he winds up in two years if he could be um I think it could be an interesting mid-major player, um, which is not something I think a lot of people even thought at the start of the year. Um, and I was talking to him, and he said, you know, things kind of changed in his head. Jacob Medina was their leading scorer and was supposed to be their star player this year, and he went down with an injury. And then they had a couple other kids leave the team, and basically Austin Freeman was like, I looked around, and I was the guy. <laughs> and, you know, he, so he's like, I had to become the guy, and he did that. And I think that's really cool and really impressive. St. Pat's is a fun story this year. Yeah, he was com- completely off the radar. Um, so it leads us into, you know, a real quick segment. Well, not I mean that quick, uh, but five surprises. Mike and I, we had a bunch of them, and we just kind of went dwindled it, dwindled it down to five. Uh, so we've got five overall surprises over the first three months of the season that surprised us in some way. And we're going to get – let's get the negative one. We got four positives, I think. Yeah, I think four positives and one somewhat negative. The first one I'll bring up is a negative one, and that's – I came into the season really down on the junior class, the class of 2020 in Illinois. And I can't say that I'm any more – I guess I'm that the surprise is this. I fully anticipated – 
a lot more players stepping up and making a name for themselves or changing my opinion on who they are our player as players and prospects and it just hasn't happened yes we talked about it in, in other podcasts and I've written about it you know there's been don't get me wrong there's been players that have really kind of raised their level I mean Jeremiah Williams from St. Lawrence who Mike you know I talked a lot about and written about he has. He, he has really stepped up. And Mike's talked about Brandon Lieb recently, the big man at Deerfield, who's shown some promise. Uh, you know, Aaron Euliff to me has been just a rock steady force for Mary Catholic, and that as uh, one of the top players in that class. And, you know, again, Martise Mitchell here and there for Bloom, and but it, it's just been far and few between for me in, in this class. And usually by now, this is to me. I always love to see the growth from sophomore to junior year. To me, and it doesn't happen across the board like this, but to me, typically that's the biggest jump players make uh, for for a period of time in their high school career is that between their sophomore, most of those players are getting some varsity experience and they kind of explode on the scene as a junior. And that just hasn't happened. And I, you know, I don't want to pick on individual players, but I've got a dozen. I was looking at the list of, eh, uh, yeah, they didn't really do anything, and that's disconcerting to me. And it really hurts because what you going forward into the you know 2019 2020 season because you really lean and depend on seniors. And right now, there's there's not a large group of them that you can say that about as you head into next year, even though we're still finishing up this season. Yeah, but I, it just surprised me. I, I just really thought there'd be more players that kind of stepped up, even ones that I didn't anticipate. I mean, that's what I was about to say. Exactly. Usually we'd be adding some names to the list, mm-hmm. you know, not just worried about guys, not, and it's in your, you're right. You're, I mean, Dante Maddox is a guy, I think that not even with his high school play, but I think maybe he, his athleticism has proven out a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he's a kid that upped himself. And, you know, we, you talked about Brandon Lee, I think definitely, but I mean, I'm looking at this, you had him ranked pretty well. Right you know, heading into the preseason. I just didn't yeah. know anything about him. So it's not like right. he. Right. And, and it's not like he's putting up, and now he's a big kid and they develop yeah. later and, and he's not putting up monster numbers. And but that's the other thing, Mike. I mean, you go up and down the list of the juniors, there's not a whole bunch of monster seasons no. out of any of them. You know what I mean? No, it's, I mean, it's there, like... there's very few juniors who are, you know, really, again, there's guy. I mean, Darius Burford from Bolingbrook has put up, he's a leading scorer for one of the top teams, and he's a junior. He kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, Nate Shock, he's a good-looking, you know, kid at York who's kind of stepped up here. But, again, I'm just saying that's been a surprise to me that, you know, I, I, I guess in hindsight I shouldn't say it's a surprise if I said that the class wasn't very good. <laughs> they just have kind of proven that maybe it's not very good. We, we uh, do have two possibilities, though, for you in this final month. Ramel Howard is back. He's back, yeah. Lincoln Park, maybe he'll do something. And allegedly Antoine Bloxton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's one name I have not mentioned, though, that did have a monster season. He might not be a high, high-level prospect, but a junior, Don Martinelli from Glenbrook South. Oh, yeah. It's just, yeah. I mean, he's burst on the scene like, I haven't gotten updated stats on him. But I think he's got to be averaging 20 a game, uh, yeah. some of the numbers he's putting up. Yeah, he definitely has. The, my uh, Kerry Grove guy, Bo Frericks, <laughs> Yeah, he's yeah. putting up some big numbers, and I was super impressed with him. <laughs> but, but yeah, we're definitely, uh, let's 
let's not. Okay. That's a negative, but we got some. We got yeah. you know, four good surprises. Might give, give give us one of them. Yeah, I wrote down three negatives before, and then I erased them all, everybody, because <laughs> I was ready to whine hardcore. Um, but I'm not. Instead, I'm going with positives. Curie. Hey, give me one topic that you were gonna a negative. Just a topic. We want to go into it. Um, there's a group of Chicago Catholic League teams that is totally let me down. Okay. Go ahead. Next, we'll stay to the positive. Yes. Um, Curie, 26 and 1, we look at now. They are number 15 in USA Today. They're number 10 in Max Preps. Uh, I went and I looked at last year, last year at this point, which was easy to do because Joe does his um, sectional seed article. We had no one loss teams. Nobody. Naperville North was 22 and 2. Um, New Trier and Niles North were 21 and three and Simeon was 23 and three. Um, Curie's only loss is, to, I don't know how to pronounce it. Salesian or Salesian, California. They are still undefeated 27 and 0. They're number five in the country in max preps. Curie lost that by six points. I was on the road in Kentucky. Um, just to finish laying out the resume. Curie beat Morgan park by 32 points. I think a lot of people forget that game. Um, they beat new Trier by 20 and they beat bloom by 14. Those are three of the best teams in the area. The closest game Curie has had all season, you know, besides for the loss is the second time Simeon played them. Simeon was able to come within seven points. I mean, that is a dominant regular season. That is a regular season. Like, I mean, and this is a team I didn't have in the top five to start the year. I mean that is such a surprise. It would be it would be surprising for any team we had to do this, much less a team that wasn't in the top five. Yeah, if you told me Curie was going to have one loss going to the city playoffs, I I would have taken that bet. And a thing about Curie that's underestimated, I I really believe this because I was talking about it with a with a coach in that sectional asking me about Curie. And uh, I got to thinking about it. They were just asking, you know, how good are they? And it's, you know, a lot of times we talk about suburban teams in a way of cohesiveness and chemistry and playing well together. And and sometimes it's more about the city teams being just, oh, they're loaded with talent and they got this guy and that guy. But if you watch Curie play, there's something to that with them. They, they just – they aren't budding with, yeah. They got a Kai Major and, and Dejuan Gordon, and they've got you know other players that are going to play Division One basketball, uh, Ramin Hinton and, and and so forth. But it's not like they're oozing with this unbelievable individual talent. So that's a credit to to Mike Oliver and, and their staff and and the, and those kids who have yeah. really kind of come together and and. And, and played at a level I think that is better than even their individual talent says. And that's why, you know, I, I think that's why Curie is who they are now and why we're, t- why you're talking about them in the way you are more so than, Oh yeah, they're just, they're just loaded with talent. Yeah. They're not bigger than several CPS teams. They don't have more college players, you know, than several CPS teams. You're totally right. And I, I'm wondering now to myself and I'll wonder out loud to you, Joe, you know, Dejuan Gordon's not going to have the numbers, talking player of the year here, of some of these other guys, A.G. and Miller in particular, I'm thinking about, Adam Miller. 
But, I mean, how much credit do does he get for not ruining <laughs> his team, right. you know, in his player of the year pursuit? Because he's not out there taking 15 shots a game. And some of the intangibles he brings with – because he – if there's anything that Bruce Weber and his staff loved about him, the number one thing they loved about him, watching him in the fall open gyms. I still remember the conversations that we would talk about it. I just love how he competes, Joe. You know, he, he's in this open gym and a practice, and he's just – he's competing. He's playing hard in a, in a meaningless, you know, open gym. And I, and that's – that that can't be taken for granted either. That that You got your high major guy, and, and that's what he's doing. And, uh, and if you watch Curie, and another difference is I think over a lot of the upper echelon public league teams, I think they compete and play harder than a lot of them. Yeah, and I, I think they've used the underdog thing. Mike Oliver loves doing that, and you know they've been able to do it because they still they've been number one for how long now? And I feel like we still don't talk about them as much as we do other teams that have been number one this long, you know, for whatever reason. I think part of it's the scheduling. I really believe. I mean, you know, what I mean, we, we we've talked about that before. I mean, they played or Morgan Park. Yeah, the way the Simeon schedule. Yeah, yeah, all before Christmas. Yeah. Um, so. But again, I mean, they, they had that Bogan game right right after the break in January, and, and their last five, seven games haven't really been ones that you would be talking about. They, they got to handle uh, my Farragut guys on uh, yeah on Tuesday. Farragut, the kids said that they beat them twice in uh, the summer, <laughs> so they're holding on to that <laughs> for. Another surprise is we'll stick with the team surprise, and and when Mike and I came up with our surprises we both had this one surprise front and center and that's stevenson we talked about stevenson so we probably won't go deep into him but i I would if you would have told me that stevenson would be sitting here at 21 and three i saw them in the summer i saw who they had coming back i mean i thought they'd be good i thought they would challenge for a top spot in the north suburban conference but they are 21 and three and probably going to be a top seed in a sectional with a realistic chance of, of playing in Peoria. <laughs> uh, that, that's crazy to me. I mean, and they're doing it with uh, five juniors and a sophomore. Uh, senior Lu Cheng, um, you know, starting point guard is, is a senior. But uh, these are five. There's not a Division One player, a bona fide Division One player. We'll see the development of Matt Ambrose. I've got him as a no-brainer scholarship Division Two NAI type right now, who could could blossom. You know, he's a six-three shooter, skilled kid in the perimeter. You know, but it's a team that didn't. Ha- they had two starters back, Chang and and um, Matt Ambrose, who was a sophomore last year, and here they are. You know, again, we, we've talked about Stevenson for years when. The Brunson years and Justin Smith his senior year and just run a rough shot through that league and here they are still 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 rolling and that's a credit to Pat Ambrose who I've talked a lot about and he's been a former coach of the year for the City Suburban Hoops Report coach of the year and I mean he's got to be right there right Mike to be <laughs> right there potentially a, oh. a repeat winner because of what they've done this year with this young group. Then you throw in the fact that Matt Ambrose, who is their best player and leading scorer, missed a month of See, the season. You know, that's my that's one of my questions. I did my proper research. I when I saw them, it was on the twenty sixth, 
you know, at Hinsdale Central. They lost to St. Charles East. I was really impressed, blah, blah, blah. But Nomad Ambrose, they, they lost on the December 4th to Libertyville. Was Ambrose... Yeah, I don't... I that's don't. the question. Because if he was hurt for that, then their only loss all season with the full team would have been Hersey in the opener. Yeah, that's, that's a... I don't know if he was or not. Either way, their full team would have two losses. You know, they had a nice win over York. You know, that was so early, everybody kind of forgot about it. They got a big, they got a big week this week. And, you know, they play Waukegan yeah. Tuesday, Bennett Academy on went on Saturday on the road. Um, that's an interesting question. I don't. Yeah, I wonder if he. Um, it's probably close, but I guess. And you know, I saw them lose and was still impressed. There was no Matt Ambrose. I think Joe will have to eat his words when. Uh, Coach K and Duke come after young Evan Ambrose, however, because uh, he's super fun. I don't know how much he's playing now that his brother's back or whatever, but uh, I can't wait. Buy your tickets to see Stevenson if Evan Ambrose is on the court. He's a fun time. But um, I would never have expected them to, what is it, 12 or something in a row since I saw that loss to St. Charles East. I thought this was a good team that I would be ranking next year in the preseason because they were young and... I mean, the future is now for them, clearly. Um, right. They, they could definitely win a sectional and show up in Peoria. It's um, very interesting. Because, man, last year they just struggled to score, you know? Yeah, I mean, this year you're looking at a team that with, like I, I think that I said at the beginning here, I mean, five juniors, um, you know, Robert Holmes, R.J. Holmes is a good-looking prospect, 6'5", junior. Uh, and then he mentioned, you know, Evan Ambrose is a sophomore. So, this is a. We talked about this before. Uh, they're going to be a potential. I think right now a potential top ten team going into next year. All right, always good to get some uh, suburban. Mm-hmm. We we'll got some decent suburban teams for next year. It should be interesting. Um, all right, my um, other one I kind of wanted to talk about. I guess it's I haven't really come up with my little thesis point for this one, but basically, um, two guys, DJ Stewart and Marquise Kennedy, is surprising to me. I guess sort of in slightly different ways, but. DJ Stewart, you know, I don't want to be harsh about it, but he had such a great freshman year. And I felt like last year he kind of treaded water as a sophomore a little bit. He was good, but I, I just, and I think this happens a lot. You expect so much when you see someone be that good as a freshman. You expect constant improvement and, you know, it just wasn't as much. And then I heard a lot of stuff about how well he played all spring and summer. And, you know, I didn't watch that. And then he's going to, he transfers to young and I'm thinking, oh boy. So now this guy's got to prove it in the Red Northwest and on Young's national schedule. And boy, is he going to have to be a lot better than I thought he was sophomore year. And he has 100% done that. He has become, instead of just a complimentary, I mean, that, that's a little hard to score 20 points on a game almost as a sophomore, but he's a force inside, in the paint, in the Red Northwest. That is a challenge for anyone, especially someone who's never played in it before, who's new on his team, you know, that kind of thing. I guess my point here is the DJ Stewart has gone above and beyond any expectations I had for him this season. He has taken to the public league quicker than almost anybody um, I've seen recently, and that's including guys like LJ Peak and Adam Miller. Um, so it's been a really, really impressive junior campaign at Young for DJ Stewart. And in a similar way, Marquise Kennedy is a kid I hadn't seen a bunch um, for Brother Rice. When I'd seen him, he'd been spectacular. But when the high major offers started coming in, I was like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Well, uh, there, I'm sold on that. He has 
as well. In a bit of a surprising way, completely lived up to all the hype I was hearing about him. He is a fantastic player. Some long time, I'm talking 30, 40 year brother Rice, you know, people who go to every game swear that he is the best player they've ever seen at Brother Rice, which is pretty cool. Yeah, he, I mean, DJ Stewart, I had no no doubt ever watching him. You know, I the spring and summer, what, what he was going to do. He just played at a high level. And Marquise Kennedy, you know, I, I still remember the first time, well, he's actually with Crete Moni at the time, because uh, people forget, he, uh, it was at the Hinsdale Central Holiday Tournament, December of his sophomore year, Crete Moni, and he was terrific. I can't remember who they I think they played DePaul Prep. I think I think it was him and Perry Cowan actually going back and forth. Um, anyway, he had 27 or 28 points in a south as a sophomore for Crete Moni, and like, wow, okay, keep an eye on this kid. And then last year at Brother Rice, he he is Mike. I don't know if if there's a player in the senior class who has improved more uh, as far as his game. He, I mean, if you if you remember Marquise Kennedy, he wasn't a point guard. He he he, he didn't shoot real well uh and he's kind of doing all he did all the other stuff he was athletic he could get to the rim he would block shots for a guard he did things that uh, were uncanny and yet he kind of morphed bobby frazier has done a wonderful job as a mentor and tutor in him at the point guard spot and i remember going into last year and talking to bobby frazier actually at thanksgiving time we ran into each other at thanksgiving tournament hall asked him in discussion talking about his development as a point guard and you know he was very confident in what he was going to become and sure enough that's what he became and Loyola is, is getting yeah. a, really a marquee Missouri Valley <laughs> conference player yeah. uh you know with him and Tom Welch we talked about it before on this podcast just what a great one-two recruiting uh coup that was for them last one Mike and we we probably talked about this a lot but I I, when I, I think we got I, two more Oh, we do. Ag, well, yeah. The, I mean, this one, I, I just couldn't. When you're talking about biggest surprises, I think it's impossible not to include Sean Ag in that conversation. Uh, especially if you watch him, like I said at, at the beginning of the podcast, this summer. I mean, he really did not do a whole lot with the fire in, in AAU, and we've talked about it in the podcast about his impact last year at Bogan. Eh, it was okay. So for him to put himself on the, uh, I mean, on the player in player of the year, not just player of the year conversation. I mean, he is one of your front runners, and the numbers and the consistency and the rebounding totals and the twenty plus point games. He's been a model when it comes to that consistency, and and he's playing for a team that's. You know, they're probably one potential win away from making Peoria if they can beat Morgan Park in the sectional. So Rashawn Agee, to me, is individually the biggest surprise to me of how far he's come uh, and what he is today as a productive player. Yeah, this is um, a quote from February 8th, um, 2018. So almost exactly a year ago, um, I covered... um, what was this? Bogan, it looks like. Oh, Bogan Farragut. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a game I'd go to for sure. And uh, Bogan won it. But this was Arthur Goodwin's quote after the game. AG had been... Oh, with- hold on one time. Yeah. I'm guessing. Because I don't know why I remember it. It's something to the effect of, we need something more out of Rashawn AG. Oh, yeah. And it was pretty harsh. He says, AG played better last year than he did this year. <laughs> he yeah. got He got all that hype. 
was all city honorable mention. Some kids don't work. Maybe next year he will come out and realize he needs to play hard every game to get the ink and the offers he wants. Yeah, I'm, I totally remember that quote. Um, but yeah, well, he did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. Nice job, Rashawn. Yeah. You, you did. And, and I know he's gotten some mid-major offers here. And um, I just don't. I, I, well, I haven't taken enough phone calls on Rashawn Agee. I know that. Um, and I sent out this big mid-season best of the unsigned all the 100 schools that subscribe 100 so division one and he can't play everywhere all those schools but i thought okay i'm gonna end up getting a bunch of hey joe what's the deal here you know you're really pumping him up and i was shocked very little i mean here and there yes he's picked up an offer here and there but he come on he he should be getting pounded by by mid-major programs and he's got Uh, you know i was talking to his some of his family um after a bogan game they have realistic goals you know, mm-hmm. they're not sitting around looking for a Big Ten team or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there are some certain mid-majors that they're really interested. You know, they know what they want is what I'm saying. And it's not crazy. Mm-hmm. And they're not even getting that, which is, yeah. which yep. is odd. Um, CSL South, Joe, did you, you had one on that? Yeah, one, I just want to hit that real quick. I, if anybody remembers last year, the Central Suburban League South was dynamite. I mean, they 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 duked it out then the sectional some great sectional games if you remember and like Niles North was down I think uh or Nutria was down 22 to Niles North in the sectional and stormed back to win that game and then they played Evanston in the sectional final so and Maine South had a terrific year last year and um so you know those four had, had great seasons Evanston, Nutria, Niles North, Maine South and I thought, okay, they'll, they'll be, the league will be good because Evanston's going to be a preseason highly ranked team. Nutria was, a, I think you had in the top 25. I did. Uh, but that was kind of it. You know, Glenbrook South was a sleeper. But, man, Mike, if you look at this thing, Evanston's 24-4. and Nutria is 22-4, and hitting some hard times here with some injuries. But uh, Niles North, to me, is, is peaking at the right time. They're 19-8. and Maine South playing their best basketball of the season. They're 19-9. and and we've talked a lot about Glenbrook South through the year. And I think they went 0 and, 0 and whatever, 12 or whatever they played in the league last year and, and had really just not a very good season. They're 19 and 8. So you're going to have, at the end of the day, you're going to have five teams, I think. I'll let those three guys just get one more win. With 20, they're going to finish with over 20 wins. And I just did not expect, I expected the Glen, uh, Central Suburban South to be good, very good with Evanston, clearly the cream of the crop. But I did not think that that league would be that good. I mean, if you look at Niles West, they're only nine in the league. Uh, they're 10 and... 16, yeah. 10 and 16. So that means they're 10 and 7 overall, you know, non-conference. Uh, so I, I, it's just a league to me that is better and surprisingly better than I thought, and almost as good as last year's team or last year's league. Yeah, Glenn Olson just always does this with Niles North. You know, there's the year lately he'd had the really great teams, but you know the years before that he would sneak in there with 20 wins <laughs> with a team we weren't expecting pretty regularly. Um, yeah, they've been consistent, and it sounds like uh, Ben Pope went out and covered the Maine South Crane game on Saturday. It's a good story. You check that out on the website. Um, Tony Lavarado just made a little some slight position changes that seems to have found kind of the right 
fit for the main South guys. And so, yeah, that sounds like they're definitely pretty scary um, at this point in the season. And that heading into the playoffs. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. That could be tough. Well, um, those are those are surprises. And well, let's look ahead a little bit real quick here. Um, Tuesday. Big, big, big week. Yeah, Tuesday is the CPS playoffs, the, the quarterfinals. Tonight, also Thornton and Bloom, which is a very big one. Uh, the Wildcats want to prove uh, a lot of stuff. Stevenson, Waukegan, we talked about. Leo, Providence, St. Mel. De La Salle, who got a nice win over the week against Brother Rice. Rita, Mount Carmel. Uh, Tuesday's... Very nice. Wednesday, we got Bolingbrook Lockport and Simeon Young that moved um, CPS quarter. Thursday is pretty slow for Valentine's Day, so everyone can get out there and, um, <laughs> and take their wife to lunch or dinner or whatever. Pump, pump, pumping up the Valentine's Day. On that, the that, that is unless you want to go see Downers Grove South Crane, which I know my wife is very interested in. <laughs> and, or uh, our buddy Noah Chapman from Sen is playing. It might be the day to go. I mean, should I take my wife out to dinner, Joe, or go see Intrinsic at Sen? Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> go to dinner, man. Okay. Um, Friday, we got the uh, CPS semis somewhere, <laughs> allegedly. And then it's just loaded. Um, Brother Rice at St. Lawrence. St. Mel at St. Rita. Evanston at New Trier. Lake Park Geneva rematch. Uh, Bennett at Notre Dame, Marion Catholic at St. Viator, Fremd at Schomburg, winner wins the conference, Zion Benton at Waukegan, Oak Forest with a big test, you know, their, their flashy record, they're going to be at Hillcrest, Homewood Flossmer at Bolingbrook, uh, about 10 others I'm not mentioning. Um, it's a loaded Friday, a lot of fun. And then Saturday, a little slower, we got Juliet Central Oswego, uh, St. Joe's St. Pat's is kind of a fun old school, former East Suburban Catholic game I like, and Stevenson at Bennett. Sunday, we got the CPS title game, as well as another makeup, I'll bet. It is the DePaul at St. Rita. Um, that's the week. I don't know if we want to um, – any of these CPS quarters. I mean, young Simeon, you know, one of the biggest things and we got going, the two big programs. Anyway, it's, it's at young. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I just – I mean, you you and I debated last week over Simeon. You we, – we don't agree on our our – what we think of Simeon? I thought I thought they would lose to Lane. That's why I sent Ben Pope there, and they won. Wow. By, they won by seven, and they were down it. I mean, they from people who were there said it never in the second half looked. But I really like Lane, and I knew that if Lane shot well, this Simeon team was going to have troubles, and they did. Yeah, I guess my point is just you. You are sure you know who they are, and I guess yeah. I'm not sure who I think they are yet. So, and I think. You know, again, not one game is going to, to, to determine everything. But, I, I mean, I think we'd both be surprised if Simeon went in there and won. I mean, if you thought they were going to lose a lane, I mean, I think you probably think they're going to lose to Young, right? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, Young also struggled with lane. <laughs> so, And for, I mean, and, and I don't, we, we talked about this before. I mean, I, like Young... I'm not saying they don't take this. The they definitely don't seem to take the Red West or the Red. The, the city West. title is not the, Young's priority. Yeah, I, I think that's um, fair to say. And I, I think Simeon has got like this. All right, time to make some noise and prove something. So they, they got that going for them and going into the city this matchup. And they're what the three-time defending champs. But I do. I just. I just think Young's overall weapons and talent will will win over um 
in, in that matchup. But I do. I think that's that's the most interesting one to me of the of the four. Yeah, I think you- I, I don't. I don't see. I, I, I mean, I, I don't see Morgan Park or Curie losing. Um, which one am I missing? Or Bogan. Uh, I think that's oh, the yeah, best that, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because that, Or I thought my, was in a little bit of trouble, but the way they handled Corliss so easily um, made me wonder. And that, that that's a tough matchup. You got Outlaw against his old team. Um, that one is at Or. Yeah, I guess I'm just not going off my last week prediction of the four favorites all advancing to the semis. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Park, Lincoln Park. I mean, I wonder if Ramel Howard will make a uh, a difference for them because they've needed that body. And he scored, I think he scored, a, he scored like 13. And he a, had like, six, like 15 and eight or something. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, that, that's something they need. I yeah. mean, they don't have a lot of uh, valuable size inside. So that, that's a big plus for them. And, you know, some teams in that sectional were texting me today, coaches. What's the deal with Romel Howard? <laughs> well, I haven't heard anything about him. He's back, or who is? How good is he? You know, so that's a big plus. You get a six-eight guy at, at this time of the year. Yeah. yeah, who is their best college prospect? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I. It's not as if he was hurt, so he shouldn't be that rusty. You know, I mean, uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, that's a big that's a big plus, a big boon for them. And maybe you get to see Antoine Bloxton, Bogan, and Orr. Um, Bogan already had enough guys. <laughs> I was going to say, how many more yeah. guys that He's a little different, though. He's a little bit more size and more of a slasher than uh, just a heady guard. Yeah, that, that should be a good one. But um, we will be back next week with, um, my goodness, it'll be over. Uh, city Tournament. Yeah, City Tournament review. And we're going to have to come up with something, Mike, because next week, so I already looked ahead. It's... It's bleak. The final week of the regular season. Yeah, we're going to have to make some All-City. I'll be getting the All-City nominations. That's going to be coming up, so maybe we could come up with our All-City teams because, my goodness, it's that – Oh, I was looking ahead. You know, the Catholic League's got some really strong candidates this year, like Marquise yeah. Kennedy and Perry Cowan and Jeremiah – or Jeremiah Williams, not in the city. Um, There's another one I'm forgetting. But anyway, it's rough narrowing it down to a team of five. Very rough. Um, I'm mean, like player of the year candidates. They're all in the five, you know, yeah. and then you got Marquise Kennedy and Fred Cleveland and Perry. Ka- it's all city is I'm going to earn my paycheck that day. Just in complaint phone calls enough. But anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Everybody we will be back next week. We will know the city champion. Things are really going to start to take form for the postseason. We'll also know the seeds. I will. We have the bracket. I think we may. Yeah, I think that comes out on Friday. Yeah, Thursday will be the seeds, Friday will be the bracket. So we will know, it'll all be laid out in front of us by that point. Wow. All right, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks.